Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to the Talking Cop. We're here for a little full-time match reaction. I'm your host, Matt. I'm joined by Kev O'Sullivan once again. The first game of the Jurgen Klopp farewell tour is finished at Anfield in the FA Cup fourth round. Liverpool five, Norwich not four, but only two. Five to the final score. Kev, these are the fun shows to do, aren't they? Nice five-two yeah. stomping. <laughs> Yeah, these are the easy ones. Um, I look. In fairness, it, it, I enjoyed watching it. It was it was a nice watch. Um, a lot of good performances. Um, the ones I wanted to stand out stood out, and the beauty of it when you looked at the changes that were coming off the bench. If you were a Norwich fan, you must have just wanted the ground to swallow you up and just like die. <laughs> you know. It, it, you know, it was just one after the other, after the next one, after the next one, after the next one. It was nonstop. And I mean, look, in fairness, the fact that it there that it didn't end up double figures, and it could have, it genuinely it could have, bar a couple of good, really good saves from their keeper and some poor finishing at times as well. But yeah, look, that's a brilliant performance. This is why you want a home tie in the FA Cup yeah. round because. You know, away ties against lower league sides, you can get jittery. It can get a bit nervy at times but at home it makes all the difference and as we've seen we got a fifth round uh home tie against Watford or Southampton yeah so yeah it all it's all good I mean everyone come through healthy as well which is the main thing so onwards now to midweek with uh Chelsea midweek isn't it yeah, yeah. Chelsea weekend and Arsenal at the weekend. I'll miss yeah. the Arsenal game, unfortunately, but I'll be I'll be around for the Chelsea game. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's uh, it's getting thick and fast. And when the score was sitting there at one all or even at two one, you're just thinking, boy, you you really don't want a replay here. But it never felt like that was truly on the cards, regardless of what Ethanakoku uh, was trying to make out that you know Norwich he wasn't in the game for, at all. He. <laughs> He might be my least favorite of all the commentators because I don't have to deal with Gary Neville because I never get the sky feed over here. I don't have to deal yeah. with that moron. And Efinokoku, I mean, just to get started with, before the game, they were talking about Klopp's announcement, and he said, well, he felt it was coming. Like, fuck you. You didn't. Like, it took literally everybody by surprise. So, yeah, Efinokoku was second on Klopp's ring list after David Wagner in terms of people he was telling he was going to step down from the job. But that's neither here nor there. He uh, – he had to eat that one because he was in the Norwich side the last time they won at Anfield. So I guess uh, he called himself a neutral, though, and I, I don't see how that's possible. But uh, before we get started, everybody knows the rules in here. Thank you all for joining us, whether you're watching us live on YouTube and you're in the chat, which is always the best way of taking in the show, or you're listening to a podcast download after the fact or catching up on YouTube afterwards. Hit the thumbs up button for us. If you haven't already subscribed to the channel, please, please do. You will not regret it. 
hit that notification bell. So in case you get a uh, random show like, you know, uh, Gav and Robbie going on just after Klopp's announcement dropped on Friday morning, you're uh, you're never going to miss a show. And uh, without course, another one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll mention it now, but I won't fail to mention it again before the end of the show. We've got our 2024 fundraising uh, goal that we're going for, which is the Lighthouse Cafe in Dublin and fan supporting food banks in Liverpool, the joint venture of Liverpool and Everton try to raise money for the food banks. We're aiming to raise 10,000 euros for these two groups. We're going to split it 50-50 with them. Hopefully we uh, shatter right through that 10,000 euro target and everything else gets split right down the middle between these two organizations that are doing their best to help people out that are a little bit less fortunate than probably all of us in here are. So, uh, I mean, right into the lineup, Kev, that's a strong team. That's a strong team. we got Allison and Gold, Bradley right back, Kanate and Kwanzaa in the center, Gomez at left back, Gravenberch. Uh, McConnell making his first senior start for Liverpool, sitting in the six. Curtis Jones out on the left side of midfield. And then the front three of Jada, Darwin Nunez, and Cody Gakpo. When you got a strong team and a strong squad and you start getting bodies back from injury, that's a pretty strong 11 to be putting out in a fourth-round FA Cup tie, isn't it? It is, but you got to look at it. He made five changes. You know, you say it's a really strong, a really strong side. He made five changes. And that just goes to show the depth of the squad. And I was delighted for McConnell, um, more so than anyone else, because I watched him. I watched it. I watched every game in preseason. I think a lot of the people in the chat did as well. And the um, he was he was outstanding in preseason. He looked really talented, really good on the ball, um, confident on the ball, and his passing, his interplay was really good. And He's one of those like you watch him preseason, and unless you get you see him get minutes in the dead rubber games in Europe, you don't really expect to see him. And he popped up. He got his first start today, and he was outstanding. He was absolutely outstanding. And it's a shame that he is like he cramped up, but in the, the some of his link up play, his interplay in the first ten minutes, little give and goes around the edge of the box, and. I mean, he's not a player that I hope he lives up to, but Joe Allen used to do a lot of those little little one-two passes around the edge of the box, moving the players around for a small guy. He's if you look at his picture on Footmob, he looks like a baby. Yeah. He, like, he, he looks like he's got to get his parents to sign his passport forms. Do you know what I mean? But he he's a real, real talent. He's a serious talent. Um and I'd be quite happy not to see him again for the rest of the season. I, you know, enjoy it. And there's so, there's so much more to come from him. But the signs today were absolutely outstanding. He got an assist as well. But more off, more than that, the confidence he had to take the ball in tight situations and give it and never, never bother to him. He looked like he'd been playing in that position for the last five years. Did not look like a player making his debut. Outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Yeah, and I mean, you look at that, that's that's four academy graduates in the starting lineup, and we did not look any weaker for it. Bradley, Kwanzaa, Jones, and McConnell, you know, from the start. It's just, it's it bodes so, so well. Uh, I saw the name Long on the Norwich team sheet and was like, son of a bitch, Shane Long, still applying this to now. It was the keeper, actually, but... You know, a couple of old heads in there that you recognize. Grant Hanley, who still looks like a mercenary, uh, flying yeah. his trade for flying his trade for Norwich. Uh, 
apparently their top scorer, a guy named Rowe, broke his hand last week, so he missed out on it. But, I mean, Kev, we, we just dominated. Like, from the get-go, I thought the press from the front was absolutely fantastic. And this goes to speak to how well McConnell played, the fact that the rest of the team, the coaching staff, everybody had the confidence that he would be able to do that job at the back, keeping things tidy, you know, linking the play up with the center halves, that we were able to push forward, not with abandon, but we really pressed them out. And it probably helps that Klopp, you know, probably knows David Wagner's approach to the game better than most other teams from the championship that we'd be playing, seeing as that they are effectively best friends. And Norwich wanting to play the ball out from the back was whew, dangerous. Stupid. Absolutely <laughs> stupid. You don't come to Anfield unless you're Barcelona. And you have Xavi and Iesta, Busquets and Xavi in the middle of your midfield and play out from the back with reckless abandonment like they did. It was just the height of stupidity. You're inviting pressure on yourself from the best pressing side in world football. And you're not that good. I was watching that thinking, my God, this is just manna from the gods. You know, it, that as soon as I saw him playing out from the back the way they were playing out, I just sat back and I thought, this is gonna, this is just gonna be an easy day's work because they will make mistakes. We will get chances off this alone, let alone the chances that we create. I just thought you you can't be this stupid. You can't do this from the start of a game. And no, they did. And it wasn't until midway through the second half that they decided to change it, and they got success out of changing it by going long and targeting Kwanzaa in the air. But other than that, people will call it brave. Commentators that I was listening to were, yeah, they're brave for trying it. No, you're not brave. Nah. That's not bravery. That's stupidity. And not not learning from your mistakes when you get caught two or three times is all on the manager for me, not the players. The players are doing as they're told, and you know they can only do what they can do. But there's a reason why David Wagner got sacked so many times. You can't do, you can't play that type of football unless you have the players to do it, and he just doesn't. Nope. All right, and the fact that we were doing this with guys who are still learning the triggers for the press themselves, and we just had them on toast pretty much every time we wanted to. The stats, for, I mean, if you just look at the stats at all, we're seventy-three percent possession. You know, I mean, you, we dominate games like that at home a lot, okay? 29 shots, 10 on target, seven big chances. It was nonstop, and it was only a matter of time before the first one before the first one went in. And from then, it was just going to be a case of how many. And as long as we didn't get bored, that's, that's that was the only limitation on what we could have done today. Yeah, I mean, no kidding. I mean, within the first minute, they give the ball away in their box for the first time. It starts what ended up being, I think, 13 or 14 corners that we had in the game, which turned out to be uh, quite the avenue for us. Seventh minute, Gakpo spurned a couple of chances today. He blazes over from fairly close. Uh, Jota played the ball behind a Darwin. Darwin laid it off. Gravenberch looped it to the back post. Gakpo put it over. Norwich, 10th minute. An awful back pass. Darwin Nunes comes onto it. Oh, look for the life of me. Because, Kev, I thought this was going to be just the tonic he needed. I mean, the last Uruguayan we had, he loved playing Norwich. And I thought, oh, this could just be the thing. 
just have the floodgates open up for Darwin Nunes. Rattles the post, which has got to be his 57th time hitting the post this season. But I'll tell you, one thing on that, though, Matt, that was very similar to how he scored his last goal. That open his body out, yeah. whipping it, taking the shot low and around the defender to take the keeper out of it. And there just wasn't enough curl on it. It was just, he almost like hit it too good or not good enough. It needed to be a little bit softer to give it more time to turn. Yeah. But yeah, it, that was unlucky. But I liked the attempt for the finish because that looks like it's one from the memory bank. Now that's just the ultimate. Okay, that's the finish from this spot. Yeah, you know, yeah. Very, very reminiscent of his goal against Bournemouth in the League Cup too. Yeah. Just get the ball, cutting back inside, almost facing away from the goal. You know, not even having ninety degrees away from the from the goal mouth and trying to curl it in there. And then just before the breakthrough. Norwich have a bit of an attack. We repel it easily. We counter. Jota puts a back post cross in that is just out of the reach of Darwin Nunes. And you're thinking, oh, boy, is it going to be another one of these almost maybe games? And then in the 15th minute, I mean, what a way to mark your first start for Liverpool. James McConnell gets the ball. He's about 30 yards out from goal. He gets his head up. He takes a look around. He sees Curtis Jones in acres of space off the back post. And with, I believe, his weak foot. I think yeah, he's right-footed. And this, this ball was with his left. What a ball. What a cross. And in Curtis Jones, this is becoming his signature goal, that sneaking in at the back post and putting it across the keeper. But, I mean. Well, it was it was telling that the, whoever was the midfielder on that side was making that run all game. Didn't matter who it was, whether it was Curtis Jones or later on when it was um, uh, Gravenberch. They both made that run. So that is literally under instruction. But the cross off the left foot was just, it, there was enough pace on it that all Jones had to do was head it back to where it came from. And a difficult enough chance, you know, it, of all the chances that we had building up to that, that was probably one of the more difficult ones because... Yeah. It would have been easy for him to, to time it wrong or to, you know, head it back and in, into where the keeper is, whatever. But that was a that was a good goal. It was a deserved goal uh, for the amount of early pressure that we had. It was it was complete domination in the first fifteen minutes. And once the first one went in, it was like okay, let's see let's see how this plays out. You know, one 0 and you're thinking, yeah, this 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 could be um, a game if you're a forward. And you saw what Norwich were playing, how they were playing. This is a game you must be licking your lips as in, this is pure stat padding. You know, this is one of those, like, if you're playing cricket, this is a flat a flat track. Bowlers are absolutely wrecked. And yeah. it's just fill your boots. Fill your boots. This is a fill your That was a fill your boots day. You know, and with the amount of chances they had, there should have been players walking away with match balls. That's, that's just the unfortunate side of it. But what I think to be... You know, chippy about, you know, it was that there should have been someone going away with a match ball. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, David Mathis here being very generous today, gifting a membership that is immediately snagged up by Richard Lefebvre. So welcome, Richard. Uh, you've got a free one month there. I know for a fact you're going to like it. And hopefully you can uh, jump on and continue that afterwards. If you're interested in a membership, it's four euros a month. It's uh, you won't be upset about the uh, euro a week that you pay for this because there's a pile of member shows. And if you can get in and check them out early in the morning, especially Gab doing the 30 at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, they are lovely. And the becoming slightly more frequent uh, watch-alongs from the Cinema Pong Goal Pergola in Gab's back uh, garden is 
quite fantastic way to watch it. And I'm not going to yeah. lie, after about, after about 20 minutes of effing a Koku on today, I was desperate to be listening to Gav and Emmett doing the, the comms from the backyard. Uh, 19th minute I've written down here, a great sliding tackle by James McConnell, something that we will uh, touch on again in the second yeah. half. I know you wanted to speak about that. But then Norwich get a counter, goes out for a corner. Uh, and then... It's just lax, lax defending on a near post corner. The first one gets put out and they try it again. And it's a combination of Gravenberch especially, but Jada and Kwanzaa also don't cover themselves in glory. Uh, Gibson, the center half, gets the run on him. It ends up coming off of his back or his shoulder sort of. And it, there's a ton of pace on the ball. It takes a good flick off of him. Yeah. No chance for Allison, I presume, right? It's just one of those that... No, Allison couldn't have done anything about it. Um... Gravenberg has to be stronger. I mean, he sharpened his elbows when he went in for that ball. And he was, you know, Gibson was just stronger. You know, he would, that is what you expect out of a, a second division championship defender. Um, and it, I'm like Thor, it, it annoyed me. You know, Thor sitting there, the equalizer really annoyed me, reminded me of the Jamie Goal Havertz had at the same end. It's a good delivery, but if you wind it back a bit, the whole thing started by Curtis Jones giving the ball, you know, the ball being given up in a bad area. That's where the pressure came from. But ultimately, an awful lot happened from that to when you're defending a second corner, you have to you have to block off the front post. And it's responsibility, ownership, wanting to be there and being strong if you're going to be in that. Especially Gravenberg, she's six foot three. You know, you got to be stronger there. And, well, he finished the game strong and he did a lot of good things in that game. That was poor. Yeah. You know, and that allowed him back. That allowed them a sniff of something that they had absolutely no right to be sniffing. You know, they, they were completely out of this game and we just gave them a foothold. And yeah. you, you can't do that. No, and I mean, the way you want to respond to a goal like that, because that's one that I'm sure that the coaches will be absolutely furious about, because that's that's eminently preventable, unlike Norwich's second goal, which has got a touch of the worldies about it. This is a goal that, when you, when you look at it and analyze what could you have done better, there is a lot of things that you could have done better there. But what you cannot say that Liverpool did poorly was responding to it, because heads didn't drop. It didn't allow the momentum in the game to change. We just went, all right, right back to the game plan. Let's get after these guys. And I think this second goal might be my favorite, not only because La Pantera Darwin Nunes scores it and scores it brilliantly, but the work that Connor Bradley does on that right wing. So they pump the ball down the sideline and he outmuscles, I think it was McCallum, I think was the, was the player for Norwich that was taking their long throws. I mean, Bradley just absolutely bodies him out of the way. It's a quick one-two with Diogo Jada, and then he puts the ball to Darwin Nunez. That is, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give away the ending. He was my man of the match, easily, easily, even without the two assists. I just thought the way he played defensively and the fact that we employed him in all three positions on that right-hand side of the pitch. That Connor Bradley, what a find this kid has been for us and spare a thought for calvin ramsey yeah welcome to the welcome to the train there's plenty of room um i love the one too i love the work the hard work to go and get it back the quick one too it was the quickness of the move that 
made the goal. Norwich didn't have just just couldn't respond. Um, but the accuracy of the passing to give Darwin the chance. Darwin a month ago shanks that wide. That was a difficult finish because the ball was bouncing. It wasn't on the ground. The ball was bouncing, and he got his foot through it rather than try to hook to put his side foot on it. It was straight lace, straight through the ball. It was a really good finish. And that's exactly what you want from him. That's what you need from him. Um he was he was very good today. He was very, very good today. And he deserved that. He deserved that. But Connor Bradley, man, it's harsh on him that Trent is coming back. It's really yeah. harsh on him that Trent is coming back. And, well, the same the same with Gomez with Robertson coming back in yeah. 15. Uh, like how 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 have you not earned that spot? And it's like, oh shit, yeah, because you're you're deputizing for possibly yeah. one of the best in that position in all of world football. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're looking at Connor Bradley in his development. This little stint, this little stint of a month, six weeks, is gonna stand him in so much credit down the line because he doesn't look like he's letting it go to his head or he's getting arrogant or anything like that. He works his socks off every single game and he does the ugly stuff and he looks like he loves it. And he's got that bit of quality about him as well. <laughs> Look, if your academy is producing players like that to come into your, your first team squad, what a bonus because go and get a backup to Trent uh, in the transfer market that will go up and down the line like that and put in quality like that. You'll pay you'll pay a pretty penny for it. Yeah. And the the beauty of it is as he develops, he's gonna give whoever comes in next season options and a variety to be able to rotate and try things and play a different way if he wants to. It it's testament to the work that the Academy have done in not just signing Connor Bradley and, and but developing him. And Leon you know, long may that continue. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Bradley was involved again a few minutes after we scored. Gomez floats a lovely back post cross for Bradley. He's sprinting onto it. He somehow manages to get his foot around the ball and bring it back in the middle for Cody Gakpo, and I don't know how he doesn't score. <laughs> like, it is an absolute yeah. sitter. I'm just happy that it wasn't Darwin Nunes missing it so that we don't have to listen to all of the same narrative garbage going on about how he can't finish, you know, the easy chances. It was... Uh, it was not Cody's day, but another great piece of uh, attacking play from Connor Bradley. And just again, we, I mean, that was what six yards from the Norwich end line. And then you you look a couple moments later, and he's sprinting back, and he's right in a position, you know, defensively. Yeah. It's yeah, it's great. At thirty second minute, again, Norwich suicidally playing out from the back. Jones wins it in the box, centers it to Gravenberch again must score <laughs> it's just there's so many of these notes i have down here it's like ah, oh, we should have scored there should have scored there should have scored there it uh there wasn't uh 43rd minute joe gomez had a chance to shoot tried crossing it it didn't work out quite too well but i mean we really just kind of marched into halftime at about 40 minutes it felt like both teams were just kind of getting ready for for the halftime break to come in and it's a good feeling when you go in at that halftime break, you're 2-1 up, everybody looks sharp. Like, I didn't yeah. think of anybody in that first half, with the exception of, of Gakpo and Gravenberch's finishes in front of the goal, nobody was having an off day at all. 
No, that was coming. Um, no, so far in that first half, we were as dominant as as you like. Um, and it was it was frustrating that it was only two one, you know. Um, but boy, I, I had absolute confidence that it was going to be three, four, five, and more because they were going to get tired. They were chasing shadows, and the more you're doing that, especially with players who are coming in from the championship, it's it's a long grind in the championship as it is. They had to go to replays in the last round, so they're play, they've played an awful lot of football. And the longer the game went on, it just felt like it was it was going to get more difficult. And I I was just looking forward to seeing what was going to happen, who was going to come on, what were the changes going to be, when were the changes going to come. Was he going to make any at half time? You know, it was it, in all likelihood with the two games we got coming up. So okay, he might want to get forty five minutes into one of them, but no, he just they came out as it was second half, and it was more of the same. It was the second half started how the first half ended, and it was just more domination. It didn't stop. It was pure. It was relentless, as the yeah. as the saying goes. Yeah, it was 90, 90 seconds in, and I have another instance of Gakpo should score. Uh, Bradley involved in it again, linking up with Jada. Those two seem to have a pretty good little connection there. Two lovely first touches. The ball's right into the box, middle of the box for Gakpo. Ball saved. Uh, they then had, actually, you'd classify it as a chance. Uh, Gabriel Sara, who apparently is kind of their creative force in the middle of the field. His shot was well from distance, but holy hell did he get some power on it. I'll tell you what. If you look at that from behind and you look at that hit the stanchion of the goal, behind the stanchion of the goal is a steward. That steward could have ended up in hospital if that <laughs> if that wasn't there. He would have been knocked sideways. That would have knocked his false teeth straight out. He would have just been absolutely poleaxed, game over, stop the game, get the balls for sets of physios on. That could have done real damage. I, he hit that as true. And Allison wouldn't have had a chance if it was on target, it yeah. was a banger of a goal and yeah. a banger of a shot. But, and to me, that was the warning sign. If you slip, if you're lax in any way, shape or form, a set piece, a counter attack, they get right. You know, if anyone switches off mm -hmm. a flick on anything, you, you needed that third goal, you know? And it was like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah and I mean, you talk about that switching off, a little flick, you know, and the game can be turned. Well, the the next goal was unbelievably important, you know, coming out into the second half at 2-1. And Curtis Jones plays a Trent-esque, I believe would be a good way of describing it. Long ball up through the middle. Yeah. And the Norwich goal scorer, Gibson, cannot jump high enough, is not tall enough, didn't have enough gel in his hair to put enough purchase onto the ball. And our 750th goal in the FA Cup, it couldn't have fallen to a better man. It takes one bounce and on the volley. And Diogo Joda just scores goals. He is a killer, an absolute killer. And, I mean, that was it. I mean, the 3-1 the goal, to me, that's that's game over right there. Yeah, that was. Once you got to, once you got the two-goal gap, that was it. But that was on his left foot as well. That was on his weak foot. Yep. You know, and that a was it. Yes, he does. He is he is right-footed, predominantly right-footed. But 
he strikes that ball as true as any left footer you'd you'd name in the game. He's I I don't think there's a doubt that he's the best finisher at the club. There's an argument that he's the best finisher in the league. And there isn't many better finishers in the Premier League than him. He doesn't miss many, you know, and when he gets when he's in that in that position where he's in it, buzzing in there around the centre backs, he's got a brain like I suppose my generation, a Teddy Sheringham, uh, you know, a second striker who sees the picture before the picture develops. But he's got the killer instinct of a Suarez. Yeah, you know, it's it's the the problem with Diogo Jota has always been his body letting him down at the wrong times. You know, he's been unfortunate with injuries through his his almost entire time at Liverpool. If he can stay fit and healthy for a sustained period of time, there is no doubt in my mind he can push anyone in the to be in the discussion for the golden boot winner at the end of a season. He just he's and I think he deserves it for the the quality that he has. If he can get a season under his belt where he stays fit, stays healthy, he will score 20, 25, pushing 30 goals in a season. He's got that in his locker. And the fact that yeah. he's got that in his locker with the other talented forwards who are all contributing as well, only bodes well for us. Yeah, and sounds repeat here, good comment. says, uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If we keep Diogo Jota fit, we'll win this league at a canter. And I mean, like to go on what you're saying there, Kev, like, if he gets that run in in the first 11 and doesn't pick up, you know, another niggly injury here and there, it's going to be damn hard for anybody to take the shirt off of him, especially because of how versatile he is. You know, you might want to go horses for courses that it might be a game for Gakpo instead of Darwin, or it might be a game for Gakpo or Darwin on the left instead of Diaz or something like that. And Diogo Jota is, it seems like he's happy to play wherever he's asked to play. And he's, he's effective wherever he's asked to play. Yeah, he's the man for all seasons. He can do everything. You know, if you want to play him out in the wing to take on fullbacks, he can do that. If you wanted to drop in and link play up, he can do that. If you want him to play on the shoulder of a striker and play as a striker in the nine, he can do that. You want him to bully bully defenders, he'll do that for you. He's got everything in his locker. And the fact now he's got the nous and the experience to go with it, you know, he's... He's bordering on being the complete forward, yeah. You know, and, yeah. and that's not an understatement because for me to be the complete forward, you have to be able to do it left wing, right, well, left forward, right forward, through the middle, drop yeah. off. You have to be able to score with both feet and with your head, and you have to have the brain to go with it, yeah. you know. And there's not many who've got all of that, very few. And he has you know? such a good attitude, I, I mean, he yeah. great attitude. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he's got any amount of prima donna about him. It seems like he likes playing football and playing FIFA. And that's yeah. like that's pretty much it. Uh, Jonathan <laughs> is vital, especially in difficult away games or low blocks. He has that edge that wins you games. Absolutely. Uh, and then, I mean, shortly after the goal, I think the changes were coming anyways. They felt like they were somewhat pre-planned. But getting yeah. that two-goal buffer makes it. So nice. And as you said, when we were talking about lineups, Kev, it's a little bit unfair that we can take off Curtis Jones, Joe Gomez, and Ibu Kanate 
and bring on, uh, this looks like three captains of their national teams in Dominic Sabasly, Andy Robertson, and Virgil van Dijk. Uh, you know, Virgil coming back in, sharing the minutes with Kanate, which makes a lot of sense, you know, especially Kanate. He's got that same sort of issue of picking up the odd injury here and there. So that's a great split of the minutes for them. Sabasly back after, what's he been out, four weeks or so? Right around Give the turn of the year. Yeah, yeah, right around the turn of the year, he went out. And Robertson, I couldn't have told you when the last time he played for Liverpool was. It was the 2-2 draw against Brighton. But it's it been a long, long Back in October. Yeah. Early October. It was the international yeah. break in, in, pardon me, in October that, that he did it. And the fact that he's back in January, you know, that that's massive. Um, is he ready to do 90 minutes? I don't know. But... The fact that you've got Joe Gomez playing so well on that side, it doesn't matter if he's ready to do 90 minutes. You know, it's a great option to be able to help keep Joe fit and fresh that you can and drop Andy Robertson back into the squad as and when rather than shit, we don't have a left back. Andy, you have to play. You know, we're not in that position. And that's a bonus. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, shortly after the substitutions, I found this to be the most comical moment of the game. Uh, on 57 minutes, Ashley Barnes tries to do a reverse Luis Suarez uh, and score for Norwich from about 60 yards out. <laughs> it wasn't even close. I, I, I love your I love your attempt at trying that, Ashley. But that was that was absolutely pathetic. And then about the only refereeing controversy from the entire game, Kev, what did you think about McConnell's slide tackle in the 59th minute? You can't do that. You cannot do that in this game. He got away with it. The fact that he just he got the ball, he got away with it. He did it in the first half where he slid in, but he slid in, in a, at an angle that invites the referee to make decisions. That second one, you can't do that. That needs to come out of his game really quickly. You're 3-1 up at home in a cup tie. Your boss is trying to make changes. You do not need to run the risk of a potential red card for mistiming a tackle with your, stud, with your studs up. It was the only thing in the game that he did where I went, <laughs> you know, and, I, and it was literally, and I literally made the fail. I was like, yeah, it was one of them. You know, I I don't like seeing that tackle from any player. It's a horrible tackle, and it came off. It was it was okay. He got the ball, but that is a, a horrible tackle. And yeah. the sooner you know, someone needs to get into him tomorrow. Show him that and say, look, read the situation of the game. Especially playing in the six, you have to read the situation of the game of where you are and and where you are in the pitch, but where the game is. And he didn't need to do that. Other than that, I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, and Gareth Cambridge here says, and I think he was on a yellow too. No. I don't think there was a yellow card in the whole game. No, there wasn't. No, there was no. I, I actually in the don't even know. I don't know if Norwich were blown up for a foul in the whole game. Somebody earlier mentioned that there was no offsides in the whole game either. Like no. it was a real rep kept his whistle in his back pocket. The only thing he had to do was point for uh, a cavalcade of corners that we ended up having and. Speaking I don't know who, I don't know who the ref was. I've never seen him before. It was a young ref, so I'd imagine it might have been his first. It might have been his first uh, game at Anfield. I don't know, 
but he did well. He needs a promotion to the Premier League then. Uh, I thought he was pretty I, I decent. Well. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, one of the Morris players might have picked up a yellow card, I think. Might really? have. Really? I'm just trying to... Normally, I write that stuff down, but I guess I didn't. Uh, no, I I'm written... wrong. I'm yeah, wrong. I do have I'm wrong. written down. 61st minute, uh, Carlos Sainz's brother comes on. Uh, Adam Ida comes on. A guy named Sorensen. They make a wrap to changes. We immediately have a corner, and uh, Cody Gakpo was on corner taking duty for the first six of our corners, and none of them were exceptionally good deliveries. Uh, corner number seven was taken by Dominic Sofasly, and that's how you deliver a corner camp. It was. It helps that the fact that the guy you're looking for is one of the most dominant players in the air, and he's literally saying, "There, put the ball there." And that's all you have to do. Just put it there with pace. And that's all he did. He just whipped it in. Good pace on it. That's a header from the penalty spot. You know what I mean? That's 12 oh. yards out. And that was just, that wasn't getting saved. That was as that was as good a goal, as good a headed goal as you'll see this season. And just the fact that it was the fourth in, uh, you know, to put you up 4-1 doesn't, take anything away from that goal the opposition doesn't take anything away from that goal that's a brilliant brilliant header and it's something that i said in the last post match that we were talking about that we need to start seeing a lot more set piece goals from from us because we're physically a pretty big side and i don't think we get the amount of set piece goals that we should that was an outstanding goal absolutely outstanding goal yeah, Nigel here says, which is why Trent shouldn't take the corners. He should be scoring from corners. Uh, I mean, if Sabasai is going to put in balls like that, and I mean, from both sides, this was an outswinger. We've seen him put in in-swingers, and he's got a very repeatable delivery. I, he's got a very accurate delivery, reliable delivery. Uh, I'm, I'm okay with that, especially, I mean, Trent comes onto the pitch uh, shortly afterwards uh, for Darwin Nunes, and the shuffle of our lineup began because it was like okay i'm presuming sabasai is going to go play right wing trent's going to play the right side at eight bradley's going to stay at right back and that from what i saw is not what happened at all as a matter no. of fact it looked like connor bradley played right wing sabasai yeah, played in the midfield and trent played wherever the fuck he wanted to go with the ball yeah he was, was everywhere he was but it brought out the flaws in Kwanzaa's game because yeah. when the changes came, you saw the holes and what Kwanzaa needs to improve on. He needs to, and and it's not his fault. He's physically not strong and strong enough yet. Um, they won an awful lot of balls in the air on his side. Yeah. And, you know, you're playing against a championship strike, a championship forward who's good in the air. So they're going to be big, strong, and you've got to learn how to manage that. And he just didn't. He was bullied off of it a fair bit. Um, it's just something that's going to come with him with age. You know, the older he gets, the physically he'll get physically stronger. And I'm not worried about it in any way, shape, or form. But that was about the only thing in his game that you could really complain about was the amount of times he was beaten in the air. And yeah. that really happened with... A lot of it came because he's been asked to cover so much space in that right-hand side. He started and played most of the game on the left-hand side, and it was Kanate on that side. So when Kanate went off, Kwanzaa comes over to the other side, and he's like, here, there's half the pitch. 
you look after that that half the pitch for me, please. You know, after doing an hour on the other side, it's a completely different task you're asking your right centre back to do because Trent is like, ah, the balls, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'll pop up on the left side today. I'll pop up in the six. I'll come up on the right. You'll see me in the ten. Yeah, you know, wherever back. he wants to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, was he was really given the freedom of the park. Uh, Trent was when he came yeah. back on, and that is that speaks to the value of having a player like Connor Bradley that it will allow us to play these games because later on when McConnell ends up going off, uh, Bradley ends up moving back into the midfield because right. Or back into right back. Like no, he goes into right back again. Yeah. Back to right back and Trent goes in midfield, but just having that ability of not needing to have an emergency, you know, player fill in someplace there because we're down to the last one. But uh, yeah, we make we make that change. We bring Trent on, and a minute and a half later, they got the ball in the back of our net. We're all calling for offside. You look at it on the replay. Gorgeous line. Gorgeous line from us. Everybody pulls up. They're well offside. No problem. And then exactly what you were talking about, the targeting of long balls directed at Kwanzaa. He wins the header. It just falls right to Borja, Carlos signs, and he just saunters through the middle and puts an absolute rocket ball just inside the post Virgil question marks I don't think anybody can blame Allison for anything to do with that goal because it's a lovely shot but do you want do you want to see Virgil snapping into that harder or is that just one of no no it's the way he defends he'll he'll literally say to you if you want to have a shot from 25 yards out around me and beat Allison and you do it fair play you know more often than not Allison is saving it he's hitting it wide He's doing something other than what he did. Uh, that's just the way Virgil defends. He's always defended like that. If he lunges forward, sides plays a one-two around him, and they make an easier chance. But you stand back, you go back to the header that Kwanzaa looped up for him. All he had to do was let that fall over his head and roll it back to Allison, and they clear it. The midfield had already vacated. They were already going forward looking for goals six, seven, eight, and ten. Yeah. You know, it was they vacated the space completely. There was nobody there. So I don't know what Kwanzaa saw where he was heading it back to. He was going backwards. He was off balance. The only thing he could do was head it up. So, again, that's just one of those things that's experience. You know, head it, try and flick it back to Allison, or try to take it down in your chest if you can get back fast enough. If not, just let the ball bounce behind you and sweep up. Yeah, you know, it, it, there was two or three things he could have done, but what he decided to do is the option that he shouldn't have taken. Again, it's a learning process. You don't mind that, but what a hit! What yeah. a hit! You know, at the end of the day, if you just doff your cap to him and say, "Yeah, fair play," because that ball started outside the post and come back in. Allison didn't have a hope. Allison, no. it wasn't that he was flapping at it. He gave a really good go. But that ball started so far far enough wide outside the post to come back in. That was just a hell of a hit. And you just top your hat and say, yeah, fair play, kid. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Sam Tandy here says, that's the kind of goal we conceded last season with no protection in the midfield. McConnell was leggy at that point. Uh, and or McAllister would yeah. stop that. Or had just been there to be on the end of that header. Because I like the fact that Kwanzaa gets up and he wins that aerial duel. It's just where that, that ball gets headed back to. And, He's done that in a couple other games. I cannot give you the exact games off the top of my head because 
This is, I think, what, our 34th game of the season. So they're all starting to muddle together after a little while. But he had yeah. one a couple of weeks back where uh, the ball was in our uh, getting crossed into our box. And he gets up high. He wins his header. But he wins it and he gets too far underneath it. And it loops up and it lands just outside of our box. And it just allows the pressure to get ramped back on top of us again. Uh, shortly after their goal, the, uh, the other game of importance today, because the draw was made at halftime, Liverpool or Norwich, whoever won our game, would be at home against the winner of the Watford-Southampton game. It was one nothing for Watford at the time the draw was made. Southampton keep up there. I believe they're on 22 or 23 games unbeaten now in all competitions. Southampton are flying at the moment. Southampton pegged them back to 1-1. That's how that game ended. So in 10 days' time, they'll have a replay for that game before we figure out who's going to come to Anfield in the fifth round of the FA Cup. And I'm not going to lie, Kev, after it was 4-2, I just had a brief, brief worry or hope that we might have another 5-4 Norwich game, uh, especially off the back of a show we did on Friday where I mentioned that that's my absolute favorite clock moment of like, holy shit, could it be, could it be, uh, no, no, <laughs> no, no, it would not end up being. Uh, about the only downside, like you mentioned, McConnell's little slidey tackle there, about 76 minute, like Sam Candy's comment mentions, he was done. His his race was run. His first start, he put in 75, 76 minutes of hard running. He's down with the cramp. And then, uh, I mean, boy, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. We have to take McConnell off and bring on Luis Diaz. So, geez. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then everything changed again. You know, the, the system changed again. And the, the versatility of the squad was shown. And you saw Bradley drop back in to right back. Trent goes into midfield. Diaz goes up, up, up wide. And I think it was uh, Gakpo went through the middle with Jota. You know, it, it was just... How do you deal with that? How yeah. do you deal with that quality coming off the bench? And you just got to get on with it, I suppose. But it, we could have wrapped it. I mean, wrapped it, wrapped it. Wrapped it with a feather bow up on top of it. But, you know, with the amount of chances that we had in the closing 10, 15 minutes. But... Yeah. The way the game was, I never ever once felt in danger. It was just going to be a case of can someone get that fifth? And because the performance deserved five, it really, it really did. It merited the the five goals that we that we got. And the beauty of it is, look, I'll just skip on to the last goal. The fact that it was Bradley, it was Diaz put the cross over the top. He wanted to take his full back on, so it was. It just wasn't working. Knocked it over the top, and. The technique from Bradley to put that cross back across goal, given how much you know he's been running in that game, it was brilliant. He literally just put it into an area and said, here, someone get that. And that's where the left side of eight makes that late run into the box. It was Jones in the, for the first goal, and it was Gravenberg for the last goal. You know, uh, Delighted for him. He, he worked his nuts off uh, for that game. And he was, um, he was, he was, he grew into it. Gravenberg did, but Connor Bradley again. The fact that in the ninety-second minute or whatever it was, he's still going. Ninety-fifth minute, and he's still, <laughs> and he's still going. He's like the energy energizer bunny man. He's just, you know, he just goes and goes and goes. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it was a perfect way to cap off what was a man of the match performance for me. Uh, I, I would imagine you would agree with that, that Connor Bradley yeah. was deserving a man of the match. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Honor, 
honorary mentions because again, I thought I thought everybody did did quite well today. Who else did you like? Joe Gajata. Um he was always he's a menace. He was always harassing players. He looked like when you know I gotta have a quick look and see how many times he, he won the ball back because it just felt to me like he was um he was a constant threat and four ball four recoveries. But when he's when he's getting four recoveries, that's four recoveries in their in their deep in their third, in their final third, that he's winning the ball back. You know, that's massive. You know, yeah. that's four opportunities to get on a counter and score. You know, I thought he was he was outstanding. Curtis Jones, very good again. McConnell, what a debut. You know, um Darwin, lovely goal. Cross the back, Kanate was solid. Yeah. Um Joe Gomez, solid. Again again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, look, across across the board, I think even Kwanzaa for the first hour when he was on that left hand side, very good. No yeah. problems with him, you know. Um all in all, it was a dominant, dominant FA Cup performance. Uh what can you say? I mean, when you say of all of the good performances, the young lad Connor Bradley was head and shoulders unquestionably the best of the lot. Yeah. You know, the kid the, the kid the kid's got a bright, bright future. He really does. Yeah, it, it honestly looks like I don't know the strength of the Northern Ireland team, but it feels like we might have another national club captain coming up uh, on our hands pretty yeah. soon if he can translate that form over. Uh, now getting to one of my favorite recurring segments of our uh, full-time reaction shows, which is Ashley L. sharing the post-match quotes with us. Thank you again, Ashley L. I agree with Red Steve from earlier that Ashley L. is in fact greater than Ashley B., which is Ashley Barnes. Uh, Curtis Jones on If the Klopp News Makes Liverpool Stronger said, definitely we will be giving it more. Uh, Andy Robertson on Klopp. Like the rest of the world, it was a bit of a shock when he told us all no one knew where to look or what to do. Uh, Robble continues, he doesn't want the fans singing his song, but he's going to lose that battle, I think, because they want to say goodbye properly. And then uh, a few quotes from Klopp. He says, it's emotional, but I have to pull myself together. I received the messages. I'm not made of wood. I told the people stop singing my song in games, and it's good they stopped listening to me. I think the atmosphere and people today showed everything to me, and it's wonderful, and I love it. It's unnecessary because I know about it, but I will not say don't do it anymore. And that is good because that is that, a waste of your breath. You're good. <laughs> yeah. That ship has sailed. It's um, the first time I heard that, you know, that the Klopp song in the second minute. I can't lie, I'm a bit choked up. I was a bit yeah. choked up with it. And it's like, damn. You know, um, yeah, that's an argument you're never going to win. It's literally the atmosphere at Anfield from now until the end of the season is going to be raucous. You know, because not that, you know, Liverpool, uh, Gav made a, a great comment in the um, in a WhatsApp earlier on. And he's, you know, he'll point on it tonight, no doubt. But it's like Liverpool were great before Klopp, and we'd be great after Klopp. But if you didn't enjoy this time with him, if you spent years moaning and groaning and bitching and crying and pissing about, and you forgot to enjoy it, more fool you. More fool you, because if you can't enjoy this, football's not for you. you know, yeah, It really isn't. I mean, this is a, a manager... Who's been is one of the best managers of the last fifty years in world football. 
You know, he's he's one of the best. He, yeah. His he, he's, he's silverware record won't reflect how good he is because he was never at a money club. And that's the way the game has gone. But the passion, the tactical nous that he often he often gets derided for, or he gets it gets labelled against him that he's just a, you know, chess pounding. Yeah. No, he's just a ch- a, a chess pounding maniac who just gets the crowd up, and you know, he's a glorified cheerleader. Klopp's tactical awareness is up there with anyone. And you're seeing it this season with his ability to make changes that affect games in virtually every game. He's, he's a generational manager. We often say we're generational players, but players come and go. Managers like him, they don't come around often. They really don't. He's, without doubt, the second best manager I've seen at Liverpool in my lifetime. Yeah. And, I'm lucky uh, enough to, to remember watching Bob Paisley. Bob Paisley's Liverpool. And the fact that we were the big dog in the house in Bob Paisley's time meant that Bob Paisley won more. Bob Paisley didn't have to compete against the country. You know, uh, there'll be plenty of times to talk about Klopp uh, over the next few months, and we will, no doubt about it. But, yeah. I'm just going to point out to you, David Mathis says here, I'm going to live in denial until a new gaffer is named. Uh, you got to zip through that denial phase of uh, of the grieving process, man, and get to the acceptance phase and just enjoy the ride. Because like Kev says, if, if you've not enjoyed up to now, well, you've now got a, a timer that's counting down. And we're at, you know, maybe 28, maybe 29 more games of having this group together with the main man there. And he's going that's you know somebody said earlier there that Klopp was quoted as saying there's nothing that could change his mind so no it is what it is let's just enjoy it let's have our hearts full let's have big smiles on our faces and let's go win some more fucking football games because that is the most important thing at this point and I I I really do think that the players if they haven't they might not have needed to have a sit-down meeting amongst the players to, to say it, it might have just been an unspoken thing where, you know, you look at the leadership group around there and the players that have been with that academy system that have seen Jurgen Klopp pretty much every day for seven, eight, nine years of their lives looking around at each other going, we got to do this for him. We got we got to do this for him. And Chris Golden, correct. There's going to be some piss up in Dublin for the farewell in and outside of the stadium. And I mean, we got to get there first. But I mean, that uh, seeing as I will be yeah, in Dublin that, for that day, that is the goal. <laughs> well, Speaking of goals, uh, footballprizes.com have a raffle with the prize being a Cody Gakpo framed, uh, signed and framed shirt with the LED display. And I'm looking at it now. There, it, it is, wow, I wouldn't yeah. mind this. I really wouldn't. 333 tickets in total will only be sold for this at £3.95. The competition ends Wednesday the 31st at 7.30pm. There is... 167 already sold. So there's only 166 left. If you want in, the link is in the description. Uh, yeah, this and there's some spot prizes to go with it as well. Yeah, this it's is, what, Darwin Nunes, there's a Fernando Torres, uh, there's another jersey, and then the bogey prize of a Michael Owen jersey is one of them there yeah. as well too. So, yeah, you get five chances to win out of 333 with the main prize being the Gakpo uh, frame lit up jersey and 
they've got they've got some good gear in there. I mean, I'd be interested to see uh, how good that one that went the last one, the double Alonzo Gerard, is going to look in somebody's uh, living room because that's going to look yeah. pretty damn sharp. That I'd imagine. Right there. Yeah, and I mean, in other good news, it looks like Thor is sharing that Newport have uh, pegged back the mighty United to two all. So we may as well just get out of here, Kevin, go catch yeah. the final uh, 40 minutes of that game. But, of course, we're going to have Gav and the lads back for the big Sunday night flagship show. They'll take some time to digest this all and go through it. We've also got uh, coming up in about two and a half hours, we've got the NFL Conference Championship weekend, which is the best weekend of NFL football of the year. Both of these games are going to be absolute dynamite. Anybody but the Lions, please. Anybody but the Lions. But the most 49ers thing, for me. I think I think the Niners are going to win as long as the Lions don't. As a, a, a supporter of another NFC North team, for the love of God, please do not let the Detroit Lions win. They are a garbage organization. They are absolutely garbage. Uh, hit that like button for us. Leave your comments with us. Thank you, everybody that has joined us for today. It was an absolutely lovely, lovely morning afternoon of watching football for anybody of the red persuasion out there. But the single most important thing, if you got a few extra dollars, euros or pounds that you can help out with our fundraising partners, you'll find the link in the show description, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on a podcast download afterwards, any of the Talking Cop social media, go ahead, check out on there. If you're interested in donating, please do. It would be much appreciated because we're going to keep harping on about it without any apologies. Share it amongst your social media, you know, print out a piece of paper with the link on it and put it up at work if you have to. Or if you're interested in helping support the golf day coming up, which is in June this year, which is being done to raise money for our charity partners, get a hold of Gav at talkingcough1 at gmail.com. That's talking with no G. One is in the number, not spelled out O-N-E at gmail.com. I probably made that more confusing than if I had just left it as talkingcough1 at gmail.com. But uh, any final words before we get out of here, Kev? That's... Make sure you guys come back at 10 o'clock tonight. Set the bell, hit the bell icon. Make sure you get reminders when the show goes live. Consider becoming a member because the watch alongs are great. The morning stuff is a really good laugh. But the new series that they're doing that Gav, Phil, and Keith are doing on Thursday nights called The Greatest that's available for download on your podcast now on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. But that's going to be a hell of a series. And the live debate that happens with that show in the members' chat is brilliant it really is a really good series so you know yeah I, talk I with the most. That, if you want to join that, join i miss that really good anyway doing other stuff because i have massive amounts of opinions over this just absolutely massive amounts of opinions over it and uh it's not like keith gav and phil are unopinionated gentlemen in their own right so yes that is going to be the absolute crackers but again finished at anfield jurgen klopp's reds five Jurgen Klopp's best friends. No, that's not Man United. That's Norwich. Sorry, the green and gold threw me off. Liverpool 5, Norwich 2. We're on to the fifth round of the FA Cup to take on either Watford or Southampton. Thank you very much for joining me, Kev. Thank you, everybody in the chat, for joining us. See everybody tonight for the main show at 10 p.m. See you guys after the next game. Adios. Sports Social Podcast Network. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com podcast. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said. 
Done.